0: Love Talk Radio
1: Yeah Mic check Mic check One, two One, two One, two For you Yeah uh-huh. You know are saying? What right up? That. biblical, biblical theology, theology, study, the person of God, attributes. God's word is like a breeze in the tropics, and Jesus got the keys to the cockpit. He's the king, the priest, and the prophet, so please watch as we proceed with the topic. Uh, yeah. And that's biblical theology, that phrase alone, they give some people allergies. Uh-huh. They say it's not practical enough, uh-huh. just give me Jesus, that will be, be enough. enough. That seems plausible and logical. Nobody wants to be all cold and theological. But being a theologian's not optional. Because when you talk about Christ, you're saying something doctrinal. Either it accurately portrays his majesty. Or it's a travesty. Or worse, blasphemy. You can do a global search. This mark is crucial to the health of a local church. The Christian life is a difficult odyssey. The faithful are a statistical anomaly. The enemy wants to trick us hypnotically. That's why we need that biblical theology. Lord God, deliver us from apostasy. The human heart is given to idolatry. The situation is critical. We gotta see the importance of biblical theology. What do I mean by biblical theology? The whole theme of the Scripture and God's the key. It's following the Bible storyline, and the ultimate goal is to. In God's glory shine yeah. What he starts, he finishes with dedication A work of art, from Genesis to Revelation From God's creation, creation. To man's fall, to redemption, to consummation yeah. His designs and structure, each time will fluster. What mind can instruct the divine conductor? His worthiness sits enthroned in the heavens Sturdy and fixed, Romans 11:36. Biblical theology encompasses be important to Biblical Theology.
2: Yeah. the Lord has not decided to... And welcome to another episode of Theology Matters with the Palouse. I'm Melissa Palouse. Um for those who are joining us for the first time. Um, my husband is Devin, and he is um, not uh, feeling well today, so I'm going to go with this fellow and see how much um, I don't mess up. <laughs> We'll see, though, um, but we are so grateful to have you here on our weekly program where we do discuss discuss issues related to theology, um, to Christian apologetics, um, and to biblical worldview issues. We had a great time last night at our uh, Ratio Christi event. For those who don't know, we are chapter directors at Ratio Christi in Winthrop, or at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and we have um, just been blessed to have a growing student um, population and uh, participation. And last night, um, Dr. J.T. Bridges, who is uh, one of the academic deans at Southern Evangelical Seminary here in the area in Matthews, North Carolina, came and shared with us on the topic of faith and reason. And it was just a great time um, of learning and and just asking questions and getting feedback and a you know, time to really share what we do as a ministry with Ratio Christie, so if you have any questions about that and what we do, you can visit Devon excuse me, Devon at Ratio org or excuse me, you uh, can e- email us there. Um, and our page is Ratio org. So we would love to have you you join and uh, just share and, and know and pray for us in terms of what God is doing. In the midst of our ministry on the college campus, um we're very excited tonight to have a special guest who actually was at our ratio Christi National symposium and shared um and I was very enlightened by the discussion as were many others who were there um as he talked about the uh the the bias um with christianity or against Christianity on campus and being doing campus ministry, we're fully engaged and aware of of that issue and how serious it is in terms of uh, Christian persecution um, on campus and kind of how Christians are being silenced um, on the campus. So I'm I'm really excited to bring Dr. George Yancey on the broadcast tonight. Dr. Yancey uh, earned his Bachelor of Science in Economics from West Texas State University. He also earned a Master's of Arts in Economics from the University of Texas at Austin and his doctor of philosophy and um, sociology from uh, the University of Texas at Austin and he currently is a professor of philosophy at University um, of North Dallas, or excuse me, University of North Texas, sorry. Um, but we're we're very excited to have uh, Dr. Yancey on the lawn with us. And Dr. Yancey, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Great. Well, thank you for taking time out of your I know you're pretty busy these days um yeah. not only with with um with your you know your classes and teaching but also you got a newborn right
0: uh pretty pretty new yes about seven months
2: okay yes yeah, so a little one yeah so I, I understand <laughs> how that can be yeah. we um ran after our our two-year-old quite a bit, so. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for taking time to be out or out of your schedule to be with us. Um, let's let's kind of um, jump in. I want I want to know kind of your your testimony. Like, you don't have to go into detail, but you know, what led you to the cross? Or were you raised in a Christian home? Or how how did that well, all come about?
0: I, I was. I I was raised in a church going home. Uh you okay. know, especially being especially being African American. Uh, you know, church was where you're supposed to be at on, on Sundays and, and I think that, I think we went to a Seventh day church, so we went to Saturdays a few times. So I was raised in a church going okay. home, but I really wasn't a uh a I wouldn't say I was a Christian as, as a kid or a teenager because for me church was a thing to do. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a good kid and so I went to mm-hmm. church uh and uh when school I still went to church some. Uh uh-huh. but it really wasn't until probably my sophomore year in college that I really began to uh feel a, a loneliness that eventually I, I you know only God can real truly meet. And so uh-huh. uh so that's when I became a Christian. You know, I i kicked picked up what was a battle along the way but I didn't really pull it all together and accept uh Christ until I was a sophomore.
2: Okay, wow. Yeah, I think a lot of us have that kind of testimony of church and, and, you know, later on God really revealing himself to us in a very personal way. Um, So as far as with academia, because you've done a lot of work in terms of really um, examining what's going on in academia, when did you get committed to um, being academic in, in the kind of the college classroom setting in in that sort of area.
0: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because, you know, I finished my undergraduate degree and uh, I actually was a campus minister for uh, a temporary campus minister job for about a year. Uh, And after work, I I was a little, yeah, I was a little bit uh, wondering about what I wanted to do. I spent a year basically supposed to be teaching and training things out and and uh, I figured, you know, something I do very well is I do school very well. So I went on to graduate school. Uh, and at that hmm. point, I I wasn't committed to going to academia. You know, that came over time. But once I was in that environment, uh, I, I enjoyed the idea of teaching. Uh, Many of doing research came a little bit later as I got closer to finishing mm-hmm. my, my doctorate. But uh, just spending time in a sort of environment made me, uh, you know, it has to confirm the calling that God was putting in within me.
2: Right, and you know, and I think people um, really, and I think that's one of the things that or with Rachel Christie and with our symposium that was really, um, really brought out is that a lot of people don't view academia as a um, as a mission field and as a calling, and it actually is. It's where the ideas that are shaping our society are being um, discussed and debated and formed and those sort of uh, things. And so, um, I mean, we're encouraging our students you know, to go and in, back into the university and not just abandon the university but to be a part of what's going on um, because we know mm-hmm. that their voices can definitely be heard and that they can make a difference. Would, would you agree that a lot of people neglect and don't see the value in the calling to academia?
0: Yeah, I, I really think that uh... – we as a body of price have, have Missed the boat when it comes to academia I mean of course many Christians go on to get a college Degree and usually get a good job And there's nothing wrong with that But, uh, but right. I do think that uh, What we, we do need to do is People who are called to it uh, And I think a lot of Christians need to consider Are they called to it, need to go back into academia And you know And the phenomenon that I talk about Christianophobia uh, Yeah, academics is a source of it And one reason why I think it's a source of it Is that if you're not around people, then it becomes much more easier to stereotype and to create images of them that are not true. And so, yeah. you know, we may, not, we may not go in and and win the whole uh, academics to Christ, but just being there I think will make some of the dynamics that I've investigated a lot less likely to occur.
2: Right, being a resource, exactly. And um, that's um, pretty much what, that, that's what God calls us to be. I mean we, we, we're not gonna win every soul but we can be there and be a voice of truth and reason and you know <laughs> love people process and those sort of things. So absolutely. So let's talk about um Christianophobia. And that was interesting when I um uh when I saw the topic for the Rational Christian symposium Christianophobia I'm like, you know, wow, I've never heard it kind of put that way. <laughs> um sure. tell tell us what, what and kind of break
0: down what that entails. Yeah, uh, the, a basic definition of Christianophobia is when people have what I would call irrational hatred or fear of Christians and Christianity. Uh, mm. And and so uh, you know what what that what that means is uh, not you know there's a Christian who did you wrong so you don't like that person. We all we all get that, mm-hmm. but right. a lot of individuals have these sort of powerful stereotypes. Have these sort of uh, images? For example, a common stereotype that a lot of people have that that I that I was in contact with is that Christians are trying to set up a theocracy. Now, I don't doubt okay. that there is some small group out there. I mean, you can find fanatics of all different stripes, just like that. Yeah. But by right. large, Christians are not trying to set up a theocracy. We're, we're not trying to force people to become Christians by gun and and and, and this sort of thing. Right. Uh, these sort of stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, These are sort of stereotypes, sort of fears, the sort of irrationalities that that I I argue is part of what we call Christianophobia. Hmm.
2: Yeah. And so um, what got you interested in this topic per per se? Was it personal experiences or was it what you were seeing in general as you were going through, um, you know, academia and, and the university system?
0: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, up until about five or six years ago, I was studying race and ethnicity, especially in a Christian context, but just in general. Uh, and so that gave me certain tools. And then I remember mm. that I was sitting in on a uh, academic session, and someone was presenting a paper on uh, journalists and academics, uh, Christian uh, journalists and academics, uh, and their basic argument was that there, wasn't, there was no real problems. And my experience told me differently, and when I looked at their methods, this person's methods, I knew that it was inadequate to say what this person was saying. And so in my mm-hmm. mind, I developed uh, a way of assessing, uh, at, at the time, I wasn't a Christian phobia, I was just an anti-Christian bias in academia. Uh okay. And so uh, and so, I, uh, I studied that, and I wrote a book called Compromising Scholarship that outlines uh, biases in academia. Uh, and that kind of, once I wrote that book and got interested in that, you know, I began to think of other manifestations I was observing. And that led me to writing some of the other work that I, that I, you know, that I shared with at the, uh, at the, at the banquet and, and otherwise.
2: Well, tell tell us about that work and some of what you found and some of your research and some of your conclusions.
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess the main book as far as academically is, is a book called, uh, so many Christians, so few lions. Uh and basically, uh, I, my 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 research partner and I, we first document that the level of animosity towards Christians is about the same as level of animosity towards Muslims. And so mm-hmm. when people talk about Islamophobia, which I agree Islamophobia is a problem. Uh which mm-hmm. if we're gonna talk about that as a problem, then we should also talk about Christianophobia as a problem. But what I think is uh, differentiated the two is who tends to have Islamophobia and who tends to have Krishnophobia. The individuals with mm-hmm. Krishnophobia tend to be white, males, uh, wealthy, uh, highly educated. Uh, they tend to be progressive, irreligious. So these are powerful people who tend to be in mm-hmm. cultural centers, such as academia, such as Hollywood, uh, certain segments of government. So the way Christianity is going to mess up stuff. It's not going to be the same way if you're a uh, a person who's poor and not well educated. You know, you, okay. if if you hate and you're poor and not well educated, you may uh, there, there may be some violence, there may be some other things, you may vote against people. But if you're a person who has a certain degree of cultural power, then Christianity mm-hmm. can flow through that cultural power. And so okay. that is part of what we have to look at as Christians. It's not going to be the same thing as say racism uh it's gonna be different i'm not and I'm not saying it, it, that's that's worse than racism. I'm just saying it's gonna be different, and we have to appreciate these differences mhm hmm.
2: so basically it it can kind of be a little it can be a little sneaky <laughs> the attacks on on the Christian yeah. faith um and you have to keep your eyes open <laughs> um but i think I think we're seeing it more and more um like you said, those with power money that are kind of funding some of the groups that um, are anti-Christian and contribute to those groups, they definitely have an agenda, is basically what I think you're saying.
0: Well, what I think what I'm saying is that when we look at christophobia, the way it's going to manifest itself is probably going to – I mean, think about, you know, the characteristics of the people I just described. You're you're going to probably find them in academia. And so when you look at academics, why have we not studied anti-Christian bias before? Well, chances mm-hmm. are, I mean, as I've documented in earlier work, there is an anti-Christian bias in academia. We look at culture, such as Hollywood. Uh, you know, I've not done any research on this, so, you know, I may be totally off. And I don't watch a <laughs> lot of uh, TV that, you know, other than sports and news. Uh, but I think you <laughs> I mean, most of the big, i big
2: sports fan.
0: Yeah, I, I like my sports. Uh <laughs> but I think you know a lot of the Christian characters on TV uh, are negative, especially if they are conservative mm-hmm. Christian person, Not just they're Christian, sort of like, hey, that's part of your kind of identity. Uh, I may mean, be wrong on this. Maybe there's a lot of positive characters on it. I don't watch a lot of TV, but from when I used to watch a lot of the shows, I know that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. There, you know, I'm doing some work on the media, which I really can't talk about that much. But I think Christianophobia can mess with itself in that as well, and so. When a media person sees a story, uh, they're going to see it through these lenses. And I'm not saying they're intending to be hostile towards Christians, but it's sort of a bias that's going to come out one way or the other. So these are some of the things that people are looking for when we're trying to understand Christianophobia, that, you know, in in the cultural context of uh, where Mm -hmm. it occurs, it's going to have certain effects.
2: Right. I'm as you were uh, discussing media and TV, I was thinking about uh, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, and uh, my mom didn't really let us watch The Simpsons because Simpsons of certain reasons, mm. but um, I think yeah. about that character and that caricature, and people still remember Ned Flanders and how, you know, the kids were just, you know, like goody-goody. They just were, um, it, it was it was a mockery of Christianity um, and such a it was a it was a blatant way, but it was a very it was an underhanded way to to really shape what people do think about what real Christians are or who real Christians are.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I'm not I don't I'm not up on the censuses. Uh, okay. But yeah. I, I don't. Watch it. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember other characters though. I mean, I remember thinking that it's hard for me to think of a Christian character. I mean the last and let's again you know take this forward, what's for what it's worth. Someone doesn't watch TV. There there could be some great Christian characters on there. The last positive mm-hmm. Christian character I can remember, uh, you know I saw I think it was on the, in the Heat of the Night, which was you know a long time ago. Uh, there's okay. There seems to be at least a few positive portrayals of, of Christians uh, in, in that show. But truly uh, speaking, you know when you see a Christian, then they're either going to be hypocritical or mean or criminal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of movies that I've seen tends to have this sort of theme, uh, and you know, right. I don't want to sound like I'm bellic- I'm just saying that this is this is the sort of manifestation you would expect when uh, when people who don't have hostility towards who have hostility towards Christians tend to have control of the culture.
2: Right. Yeah, it's definitely a, cult- uh, a, a way to influence culture. Um, you know, in terms of. Uh, their thought processes and how they view others in an indirect way. Um, our, we we used to, there was a show, the wife swap and trading spouses or something like that. They would always, I noticed how they would always pair this um, extremely conservative Christian family with this extremely liberal family and how our views would, we would, you know, come off so hateful. And I'm like, I don't agree with anything that going on here on either end of the spectrum. But as far as having intellectually um, astute believers who understand their faith, who know the Bible, who are loving and that sort of thing, um, you're right, we don't see that a lot in the media, um, that kind of well-rounded believer who's seasoned and discipled properly.
0: <laughs>
2: and, yeah, we, do, we need to, do need to see more of that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it just seems to me that, uh, you know, and part of it, like I said, as we Christians are, have not been part of the cultural cultural institutions, so we've left it to people who tend to exactly. have. Exactly. Of course, and, and, and let me be clear, I'm not saying that all people in in these cultures have Christianophobia. I don't, we don't know, mm-hmm. I can't even right. tell you what percentage of people in the United States have it because I don't have the data for that. But, right. you know, I do know that they're probably more likely to have it. Uh, and, you know, without Christians being there, then or very many Christians being there, then that's an influence that's the impact that we have. So, you know, part of what I want, you know, to do through some of my work is to, you know, obviously document it at the But also you know, my latest book, How Environment, is to talk to Christians, you know, this is what's out here. How can we have a balanced approach towards it? I'm not one that says let's run around talking about how persecuted we are. Well, let's be realistic about you know the evidence of this this sort of discrimination. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um. It's interesting. Uh, that's and that's one one of the reasons I love Rachel Christie is because we have um gone into the campuses, you know, across this country, across the world, and have said you know there are answers. You can be a Christian and you can be a thinking Christian. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. And you can. You know, you can know what you, why you believe what you believe, and, you know, you don't have to be a caricature, and it's interesting, a lot of the students, um, even last night meeting a student and said, you know, she came to our event, and she was, just, she was amazed she didn't know that there were answers, and we could talk about issues of faith mm-hmm. and reason, and, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, we have, there's there's books, there's resources, there's, there's seminaries now that focus on these issues, and... That can train you up to be a thinking Christian, um, but from her experience, that was just not the case. So um, I'm gl- I'm very very thankful for Dr. Christie and for Dr. Corey Miller and his leadership and um, for him bringing you in and, and for sharing a lot of these things with with us. What tell us about some of your some of your research and some of the stats that you've seen in terms of um, in academia uh, anti-Christian bias? Again, as we're on the campus. We we see it a little more than other people do. And as we talk mm-hmm. to professors and students, we hear their concerns and how they are sometimes silenced um, by their faith um, in the classroom and outside the classroom even.
0: Yeah. Well, in, in my in my book, Compromising Scholarship, what I wanted to do was look to see whether or not there was bias. Now, you can't look at every type of bias in, in a single study. So what I wanted to concentrate on was, is there bias when it comes to hiring someone? Uh, so I found a survey of academics all across the country of about nine different disciplines, and I asked them if you found out this about a person, would you more or less willing to hire them? And then I had, like, about 26 different uh, items. What I found was for about half of all these academics, If they found out that a person was a fundamentalist Christian, then they'd be less willing to hire them. And then uh, about 40, probably about 40%, uh, probably a little bit higher than that, but not quite 45%. I don't have the exact numbers before me. uh, Of the academics, if they found out that a person was an evangelical Christian, they'd be less willing to hire them. Those two were the highest of all the other categories. I actually... I thought that the, that professors would be more hostile towards political conservatives than religious conservatives. So my findings actually surprised me a little bit. Uh, but that was kind of why I, you know, I was more curious. Why is there m- more hostility towards uh, Christians than states towards Republicans? Uh, mm-hmm. And that sort of got me into studying more about Christian Christianophobia. So, as it pertains to what you are running into, yeah, none of your students are being discriminated against trying to get a job as a professor because they don't have a Ph.D. degree. But it's hard to believe that, and there's other research by other than mine out there that's beginning to reaffirm this, but it's hard to believe that people would be biased at one point and not at other points of the occupational process. Uh, that, that they will be bias when it comes to hiring someone, but not when it comes to whether or not they're going to get tenure or whether or not they're going to publish their work. Uh, and in fact, like I said, there's other research that seems to support this as well. Uh, so there is this sort of academic bias, and, and of course, what that means is that uh, research that is sympathetic to Christians is going to be less likely to be published, research that's more hostile to Christians is going to be more likely to be published. Uh, and, and you know. I think that's a a reality that we just have to accept in academia today. Uh,
2: Yeah, and it it is, like, again, a reality, and I I don't think people understand. When you're, um, those of us who are not in academia, I mean, we do campus ministry, um, but those who are not um, on the campus don't understand that tenure is everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... Getting, getting tenure is everything. So, um, you know, most times your department votes or, you know, there's different processes, I, I assume, but if you are, you know, considered to be, you know, just a, a, a dumb Christian, you know, or someone, you know, who is, you know, very churchy or, you know, uh, fundamental like, fundamentalist, like you said, or evangelical, those things – May come into, you know, maybe may become a factor when your, you know, tenure is being decided upon.
0: Yeah, you know, the way I, there's a story that came out while I was working on this book that I think kind of illustrates this. Because I think it's too strong to say, okay, you're a Christian, you're not going to get tenure because, you know, I think that's too strong. But uh, one, of the, one of the reviewers of my book said, well, I know of a situation where they were hiring two people. One was a Christian, one was not. Uh, at first, the junior faculty didn't want to hire the person because of some of the, you know, some of this anti-Christian bias. But it was overridden by the senior faculty and eventually the dean of the college. And so I'm thinking that's all well and good. Great. The person got hired and he deserved to be hired. But if it hadn't been the senior faculty and the dean, that person would not have been hired. In other words, this person has to be significantly better than his or her competitor in order to get hired this person was even with his or her competitor, this person would not have not gotten hired. Or, or probably this person was only slightly better. This person would well, mm-hmm. probably not gotten hired. So it's not that uh, people are going to say, you're a Christian, therefore we're not going to hire you. I do think that it is the, fa- the fact that people are going to say uh, or act that we'll hire a Christian, but that Christian is going to have to be a better person, significantly mm-hmm. so. So there's an additional burden. On a Christian Than it would be on others I think that's a way To look at this uh, It's not This is not Jim Crow uh, But it is A very serious issue That we have to uh, We have to consider
2: Yeah And I think one, um, And I keep bringing A rest Christie, Christy Sorry But <laughs> It's just um, That's our heart And that's our ministry But I love That we're trying To get Christian faculty together Just to support each other And to talk Through these issues And Um you know, to to just be a support system, it it's not always as bad as it seems. Because different departments are different, um, depending mm-hmm. on the dis- the academic discipline, um, in terms of you know how you know you you can be treated that kind of thing. But um, I just I love that um, we can come together and at least talk about these issues and be honest about these issues because Christianophobia is not talked about at all. <laughs> um from from my perspective. Um, like I said, you you hear about Islamophobia and homophobia and that kind of thing, but um and kind of you know, the racism and those sort of things on campus, but when it comes to the Christian faith I think it's assumed that because Christianity is um you know every it's Bible built and that sort of thing that it's not an issue. Um whereas it is in the world of academia. So um, I'm glad that, that we're able to get together and talk about that and to support each other, um, in terms of that, um, work. So talk to us more talk to us about hostile environment, your book. And and Right, what, yeah. What the the ideas behind that and, and why that book is so important.
0: Well, that book I wrote to you know, it's a book I wrote to non academics. Uh you know, my academic books I think some of the non academics can enjoy them but I have to admit, you know, that there is a technical aspect to some of the work that I do and, and some of the writing is, you know, more scholarly in nature and not always as accessible as I would like for it to be. And so after I finished uh, my, my other books, I wanted to have a book that I could put the hands of someone with, you know, maybe just some college uh, or, or, or an undergraduate degree. And they could read and, and appreciate, you know, what I found and also put forth some of my ideas on what we as Christians need to do in order to deal with Christianophobia. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very realistic. Uh, I'm under no in, uh, impression that we have a, a quick solution to this. This this has been years in the making, and at the very least it's going to be years in the unmaking. And it's going to be very difficult to make because a lot of this is baked into the culture at this point. But uh, but we have to be a little more deliberate in in how we uh, represent ourselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have to, uh, you know, we have to be wise as far as uh, not overstating the problem but also not shying away from the problem. I would love to see more Christian unity develop out of this, some of the barriers that kept us apart, racial barriers, denominational barriers, uh maybe some political barriers, maybe we, they can start falling apart and we can be more unified. Uh those are some of the things I would like to see uh at you know as far as dealing with Christianophobia. So yeah, if you're if you're not wanting to read source material and get into that, uh then that's that hostile environment is definitely the book for you. Uh and and I think it would be very useful for some of your listeners.
2: Yeah, oh, great. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet, but I definitely will get getting, getting a copy. <laughs> so definitely everyone check out Hostile uh, Environment by Dr. George Hansi, um, by University Press. Um, one of the other things, you know, we were at this conference, especially we when we were talking about professors, and I know that there are some who are listening in, but the idea of being a missional professor, and what what do you th- what do you think about that, um, in terms of being a Christian professor who um is strong in their faith and doesn't, you know, back down and um and is missional in terms of their calling in the yeah. in the academic yeah, I world.
0: I, I think that's a great yeah, I think that's a great emphasis, uh, you know, as far as and you know, probably I would like to see is more Christians going into uh academia and so, you know, I identifying uh Christians who want to go into academia and help and strengthen them and help them to uh find a support system uh because i mean you might find a support system in- ag- in academics or you might not uh so uh so find a support system i think is also very valuable so I, I do agree i mean I think it's limits to what a professor can do uh, you know a single professor can do, so having uh multiple professors. Uh, I think, would be very valuable. And, if, and if you know, we're, we don't need to go in academia to try to take it over. I mean, that's not what I want. But I do want there to be a Christian influence for Christian students, for non-Christian students as well, because that, that helps the image of Christians not being smart or wise and helps to take care or at least lessen that particular stereotype uh, as well. So, uh, so anyways, this is, you know, those are some of the things that, uh, that I think uh, Rational Christianity is doing quite well.
2: Yeah, because I think it's just this idea again, when we when we abandoned the university, I, I just I think that we we lost a huge opportunity, um, which has devastated our culture. And we see the effects on our culture from uh you know, from abandonment and how the ideas have become, you know, so flip flopped <laughs> um and so subjective that um, it, it's hard to win back the culture whenever um whenever you abandon the university and I I, I would just pray that the church would understand that and support those in academia professors and pray for them and and for and for the students who are um you know in the midst of it. It it's a great opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I I, I love that. You know, I think Western Christians do a lot of great things as far as uh, that, going to the high schools. Uh, So I just, you know, I think that this is something uh, that I would encourage you all to do.
2: Right, absolutely. Yeah, we should should be praying for our professors and praying for them daily and for our students on the campus and that they'll stand strong and that they will – just defend truth and in all areas. Um, what are, what are some, some works that you're working on now? I know that you're trying to get the first Christian studies center on a secular campus. How, how, tell us about that.
0: Uh, yeah, I would like, I mean, in part, in keeping with my idea that Christians need to, uh, have, uh, uh, more influence in cultural institutions, including academia. Uh, We've all heard of Jewish studies programs and Islamic studies programs and you know, I don't want to do anything to get rid of those or challenge them. I mean, they're there. That's great. But there's no Christian studies programs on state run campuses. And so I would love to start the first one. And i you know, I'm I'm working towards doing that. Uh, I see that this program, uh maybe eventually it'll come to uh the uh granting degrees and such but I really want this to be a research center. So doing research that supports Christians and, and uh, mm-hmm. Christian institutions, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be sociological research. I mean, that's probably where I would start because I am a sociologist, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it could be it could be psychological. It, it could be history. It, it could be a wide variety of different research. So, mm-hmm. uh, so anyways, that's sort of what I would like to do. I mean, I feel that's part of uh, what God has me here for. Uh, If I'm going to talk about trying to create a space for Christians in academia, then I need to try to figure out how I can do that, and this is one of the ways in which I want to try to do that. So that's sort of my goal. You know, I'd love to raise some money for it. Uh, It's going to take money (laughs) in order to establish it, unfortunately. But uh, but I, I think that having a Christian studies program on a state campus. Uh, you know, getting the first one hopefully will help set up you know the next one and the next one and the next one.
2: That's that. I mean, I, I love the idea, and you're right. I mean, you on campuses you see everything all kinds of diversity studies, you know, departments and all all of these things for sure. You don't see a Christian Studies department, um, and I love the 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 cre- creativity in that because um, this is something that can be duplicated at other at other universities. Um and I, I I love how God gives us these visions to just to open new doors and uh I I definitely love the idea. So tell us about some of the things that are coming up with with you and um some of the things that are on your other things that may be on your heart and that uh, we should be looking out for in books or Resources
0: that we should be looking at for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm I'm still working on on projects. I've already alluded to. I don't want to go too much into it because I find a publisher. I really don't want to talk to the results. Okay. I've already alluded to. You know that I want. I'm, I'm studying media at this point, uh, and looking at some of the things of that nature. Uh, but I'm also working on, on on other articles. Uh, you know, some research articles looking uh, at. Uh, Progressive Christianity, you know, uh, there's some interesting findings there in light of some of the issues. Because that was one of the things that was on my mind, you know, because I, I know that what the critiques of Christianophobia is, I'm only talking about conservative Christians. And I, that, that is kind of true. Uh, by and large, progressive Christians don't run into the same sort of problems as conservative Christians. Okay. And so understanding uh, that dynamic, I think uh, that there's value in doing that. So uh so you know, so I'm 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 working on that as well as my, my other uh project with, with the media. Uh, and like I said, trying to uh you know um uh, look at establishing this Christian Studies program. Uh you know, one of the ways I think with the Christian Studies program uh is, you know, we're in the we're in the midst of campaign season right now politically. And, you know, a lot of my Facebook friends, a lot of my Christians are talking about uh the the politicians they want to support and, and that's all well and good. But mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Christians should not go into politics or anything like that. I mean that's that's something Christians should work out in them in God. I'm not here to say don't do don't put your resources in politics. But I am saying that we put a lot of resources into politics and we get so little bang for our buck as far as when it comes mm-hmm. to really changing the culture. Uh and so if it's not a program in academia, uh you know, let's find a, a a Christian media program that we can support. Mm-hmm. You know, who's doing really great stuff with Christian media. You know, really high quality stuff, or or, mm-hmm. or Christian art. You know, and, and not to not support uh, politics, but also support these things as well. And maybe if you if there's a little less money to your favorite political candidate, uh, you know, I think that you'll get more bang for your buck because sort of like when there's been so little money, Christian money put into these areas, little that's given can be multiplied greatly than in some place like Christian politics where we've already put a lot of money into that. So adding an extra thousand dollars really is not make that big of a difference. It could make a huge difference for some struggling Christian artists out there, you know, or mm-hmm. of that nature. So I just want Christians to start thinking more creatively about cultural change, oh, sure. uh, yeah. instead of going down the, yeah. sort of the same lines we have gone before. You know, they say the same in which what he did before, and expecting different results. And so, you know, obviously we can't just do politics and think we're going to get cultural change.
2: Right. It, it's being creative. That was one of the um, our big points. Devin um, and I actually spoke at the symposium. In the bioethics track to students on pro-life activism, we kind of were the last leg after the big heavy lifting was done. But (laughs) we've done um, a lot of uh, pro-life activism and just sharing with students how to get involved in being pro-life. And another thing I shared was just being being creative. There's ways that Mm -hmm. God has gifted you to um, to use um, to to do his work, so it doesn't look one certain way for every single person, and so kind of yeah. thinking outside the thinking outside the box. Yeah,
0: I, I think I think that's a great example, uh, you know, because I really think that uh, the younger cohorts are definitely more pro life than the older cohorts, and I think that a time's going to come where the majority of the United States is going to be pro-life. Now, what, will that lead to a change of Roe v. Wade? We'll, we'll see. But I think that that time's coming. And the reason why it's come is not because uh, of electing pro-life legislatures. I'm not saying that that's unimportant, right. but, you know, there's been certain cultural factors that have come to play. To be honest, part of this technology, ultrasound, uh, ha- I regret has really changed a lot of people's perspective on it. But also, I, I saw that the pro-life movement began to get smarter about changing the culture and making an appeal beyond exactly. uh, sheer politics. And so, I think that Christians can learn from the pro-life movement, even though it hasn't had its big success of overturning Roe. Yeah, we're not away. we're not, per-
2: we're not can, perfect yet. <laughs> yeah, but
0: you can, but you can see. That. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people who who tra- who chart these things will tell you that you know when you look at the cohorts, if things remain the way they are and the old cohort dies off, you're going to see a more pro-life nation in due time. Uh, and so those are some of the things I think Christians have to think about. I mean, it's not it's not enough just to uh, forward a political agenda in this sort of society, especially if you remember that people with christophobia tend to have, uh, you know, at least cultural power and political power as well because they tend to be wealthy and highly educated. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, right. We're going to
0: have to go into culture And we're going to have to make changes in that way not to, well, not to take over But to create a culture to where we have Less of the, uh, the anti-Christian hostility
2: Right Well that was That, I, that was kind of The point of our talk it was You know it, These movements start sometimes just from the grounds up Not from the top down And that uh,
0: yeah, often they individuals, do, yeah.
2: individuals have power and we somehow have uh, forgot that that we, as individuals, that we have power and that we have a voice, and that we have mm-hmm. we have God-given talent to make a change in the culture, um, and that may not look like, you know, what we think it it what should look like, or you know, may not, may not be converting millions to our cause, but um, we do have a voice, and using that voice is what is important and what's meaningful about, you know, our lives and our Christian life and and following the Lord. So that was pretty much what you just said, just kind of summed up what what we're saying. It's not going to be the big politicians that are going to be, you know, although we should vote vote for life and that kind of thing, but that's not going to be the change that's going to change our culture. It's going to be us as individuals, as believers, going out and doing our job and using mm-hmm. whatever talent and gifts that God has given us to do that, whether that, if you're in academia, whether you're an artist, whether, you know, whether you're a musician, whether you're a writer, whether you're a TV, you know, someone who's in media, whatever that, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think that that's important for us to keep in mind that God's given us different talents and abilities and that um, that's kind of the when you, like, when we read the scripture, you see the hands, the feet, the the body all coming together to do yeah. to do those things, um, and that's yeah. so important.
0: Yeah, we got to think of ourselves as, as a team, and we each have a role to play. Uh, and I, you know, and yeah, and You're
2: not in competition we're either.
0: Too quick for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. many times so, uh, we get
2: we do that. Sometimes it, we do that. Sometimes, unfortunately, but we're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so anyway, you know, I, I, my role is to help uh, point out some of these issues and and uh, you know, speak to Christians, speak to non-Christians. You know, part of what I want to do is challenge uh, some of the people with Christophobia to uh, be more introspective of of what's happening, uh, and and maybe in a sense uh save them from their own uh bigotry if you will. Uh but mm-hmm. yeah we all we, we got think about our roles and uh we got to uh also be creative in in how mm-hmm. we uh, deal deal with these issues. We're not in this we're not in the same culture we were in the past where Christians right. had enough cultural power to protect themselves simply by being Christians. And so we got to think about how we can protect ourselves in other ways.
2: Right. How do you think that that um in terms of Christianophobia that that the how is it do you think is accepted in Christian? well, even in Christian circles and non Christian circles, that people understand it? Uh,
0: well I I tend to think a lot of Christians tend to they may not use that term but they tend to have uh sensed the you know, that this is that this is out there. Uh, they may not understand it completely, but they, they, they sense it. A lot of non Christians, uh, you know, I think especially people with Christophobia have a social identity that they're very tolerant. And so they have a hard time grasping that they can engage in many of the uh, types of bigotry that they speak out against. Uh, and so, you know, uh, a lot of non Christians will deny some of the uh, problems and issues that are out there. Or they'll say that Christians deserve it, or they'll say that Christians are just upset because they're losing privilege. I've mm-hmm. blog about these, these things and illustrate, you know, it's not privilege to be evaluated on your own merits for a job in academia. That's not privilege, that's just what a right everyone should have. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's not privilege to be fired, uh to not be fired for your beliefs. And there's some last mm-hmm. cases where that appears to have happened. And so, uh, You know, big things are just, you know, this is going to be part of our challenge is to illustrate this uh, in a a way that people can access it. And and it's going to be difficult because when people have a social identity of themselves as being tolerant and accepting, then uh, then anything that runs against that, they're going to tend to reject. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, everything you're saying, just recruiting, a a new – we need a, more academics coming into the field who are believers who can bring some, some truth to the field and can help in different areas and just be a light. And, you know, a lot of it's just being a light to those around you um, mm-hmm. while doing well, doing your work and your research and those sort of things. Um, and we're so thankful for people like you, Dr. J- Yancey, who are encouraging students like ours. <laughs> who were very encouraged by you at the um Rashford Christie Symposium, um, and our um and our professors who are just just very encouraged, um, because it can kinda of be a lonely place when you're in academia uh, with no support. So we really, really thank you and your book so is it hostile environment that you're getting to get, which which book are you are you get, trying to get published? Is the Hot Zone
0: Environment or is that the one? Hot Zone Environment is already been, yeah. Hot Zone Environment is already published. Uh, the book I'm listing publisher is the one in on the media, and that's the one I really can't talk about at this point. But Hot Zone Environment, yeah, that's been published okay. by University Press, uh, and so okay. you know you can get, you can get it get off Amazon, University Press, uh, you know ChristianBooks.com, dot uh, you know in, you know anywhere like that,
2: right. Yeah, we, we want to talk about these issues on you know, on the secular campus about Christianophobia. Um, I love the term because it, it is a reality. I'm in academia and we need to talk about it more and we need more RC prof um groups around the country at on different campuses for professors to talk about this issue and some of their um is uh, some of the things that they that they've dealt with. Um, is there any closing uh, ideas you want to share with us Dr. Yancey about uh, Christianophobia and your books and your work and how we can further it
0: uh, well I've touched on some of, the, some of the solutions that I think that we have to to think about as far as uh, trying to be more unified as a by Christ and, and trying to have a balanced approach towards things and, and things of this nature uh, you know I just I guess part of it is, you know, when we think about it is we have to understand the people who don't like us uh, and not approve of them, not liking us, but understand where they're coming from and, and why. And even, you know, when they have ridiculous beliefs, such as that Christians are trying to set up a theocracy, uh, you know, we have to understand where that comes from. Uh, and, you know, clearly there are Christians who have done some awful things, and so I've brought some of this upon Christians in general. I mean, no one's denying that. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I, I would say when, when you think about these individuals, one way to understand them, you know, just to say real, real quick, of course, my, in my books I go into more detail on this, is that they really see us in the middle of this sort of cultural war where there's mm-hmm. this group of Christians who are trying to drag us back into what they see as the dark ages uh, of okay. intolerance, xenophobia, uh, you know, uh, all these sort of problems. And so when you have that belief, and I think that they believe that. Uh, I think that they really do believe that. Uh, when you have that belief, then you can justify doing what's necessary to keep these people from having uh, power. And so uh, a main ideology that permeates those with Christianophobia is that Christians should stay in their homes and their churches but out of public square. Uh, that is a very common belief. Uh, that, you know, if you want to be a Christian, being a Christian in your home and your church is in nowhere else. Uh, okay. That's what we're going to run into. Now, what that means is that, you know, they're not likely to try to come to our homes and churches and deal with, with our faith, but it does mean that they want to restrict us in ways they don't want other people to re- be restricted. Uh, they would never tell a feminist, hey, you can be a feminist in your home and your feminist organizations, but nowhere else. Uh, but that is the attitude that we're going to run into. And so that's the attitude that, you know, says, Well there really is no such thing as a Christian business. For a business, you can't be a Christian business, you have to be a business for the public. Uh you yeah. can't put your Christian values into your business. Uh and you can you know, or your Christian values into the government and things of this nature. And so we have to be we have to prepare for that sort of attitude. If we've not already seen it, we will see it soon. Uh and then we the can decide what we're gonna do about it. Uh as far as not do about it Take over the country. Do about as far as protecting ourselves. In times we're going to have to protect ourselves. There's really nothing we can do to change what we want to do. Other times we can have an impact and influence. But I see this as a long-term, maybe even generational issue. Uh, it's not going to go away overnight. Uh, it didn't occur overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. And so, uh, right. and so I think I think we just have to ready ourselves for that.
2: Right, and you know, as, as we raise children and Raise them up. We need to raise them to um, hold Christian values, but to hold, you know, the love of Christ in their heart for their fellow man, so that they can communicate those values. You know, First Peter three fifteen, so they they can know Mm -hmm. truth. and They can still communicate it in a way um, that um, is loving and truthful. And sometimes it doesn't look as easy as it sounds. I'm sure you know that you can't see it. It's not easy. <laughs> um,
0: no, it's not, not easy. Really. No, no, it's
2: not. The, what you know, God doesn't call called us to easy life or to an easy mission. You know, mm-hmm. um, so we have to be prepared for the long run to share our faith in ways that may not look. It may be creative in other ways. Um, to others, may it may look not conventional but we have to be prepared in academia and in the arts and the sciences and all these different areas to to share the Lord uh the Lord Jesus Christ with other people. So I'm really excited for your work. Um I'm I was blessed to, to hear from you at the symposium my husband and I were and um I'm just excited to see what the Lord does. Through your life and through your ministry Even though it is, it's Probably, it's not technically a ministry But it is a ministry though
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I hear what you're saying Yeah, I don't know if I see what, what racial Christian. I mean I know it's grown Very fast in a short period of time And uh, I like a lot of the values Of this organization uh, racial Christian obviously can't do it by itself we, By Christ, we need each other But I think it's going to play a very important role and you know what you mentioned about raising our kids correctly, you know that is something that we don't always we don't often take seriously enough as yeah. uh you know yeah. really investing in our kids and 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 uh, you know one one of the advantages we do have is we do tend to have more kids than secular individuals, and so if we just raise our kids correctly mm-hmm. over time, we would have a very powerful cultural impact just by sheer sure numbers uh but we're gonna have to do a as a body in Christ not to do a better job of that.
2: So you guys,
0: you
2: guys are gonna pop out a bunch of kids soon, huh? What? <laughs> I said so you guys are gonna pop out a bunch of kids soon. Then I'm just, I'm being, I'm being
0: well, funny. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna try to do our share, but I mean, you know, I my identity, only so many I can have. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So, you know, well, we, I we, uh, uh, yeah. I heard a stat once that if one of our three churches adopted a kid, that uh, that we would clear out the foster care system. So there may be creative ways in which we could also serve kids, even people who don't have kids. Uh, and, you know, one, one of the testimony that would be is to clear out the foster care system and then raise kids in good, strong Christian homes, and they become good, strong Christians. There's
2: so many ways, yeah, there's so many ways that we can um, make a difference. And, again, I think sometimes... With our um, with our busy lives and everything we have going on, we don't think about it. But there's there's lots of ways that God has given us to that you know He's given us to um, just help the least and to make a difference. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited for what you're doing because it's making a difference. And you your work is uh, changing hearts and minds. And our professors just completely. Loved everything that you shared at the symposium. So um, our campus is is forever changed because of that. So. We're, well, we're I certainly hope so. Yeah.
0: so uh, you know. So you know, just trying to do what God's called me to do. Yep. That's
2: that's 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 what he. Um, obviously, this is what he's called you to do, and you're being faithful to it, and so that's. Um, something to be commended, and we're very thankful for your work and for the resources that you've been able to provide through your research because I know research is not hard, not easy. It's hard. <laughs> and the fact that you've been able to do that and share with us um, people who don't understand it all <laughs> is very commendable. So we, are, we really appreciate you.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate all that you're doing.
2: Definitely, and we would love to have you on um, again and as your other book is published and talk about the content in that.
0: Okay, well, we're our we're Facebook friends, friends, so when that book comes out, believe me, I'll be announcing it on Facebook. All
2: right, I will be looking out for that then. All right, all God right. bless you, Dr. Be and your family.
0: God bless you, too, and thanks for having me on.
2: Thank you for coming on. So folks, you've had an episode of Theology Matters with the Palouse on Christianophobia, and I hope that you will go back and listen to um, some of the um, information shared and the resources shared and uh, take uh, advantage of those, and we will hopefully have Devin back next week. We'll see how his voice is doing, but I hope that um, I was a good fill-in today, and We are so thankful for all of you and love you and thank you for your support. And we shall see you next week.